want to ask our prayer team to come to the front this morning. Today we want to give you an opportunity to come to the front and pray with someone. If you have a need in your life or in your family, feel free to come down through worship this morning.
today that is our only cry, to know you more, to know you deeper than ever before. Today, thank you, Lord, for gracing us with your presence. We love you today, Jesus. We welcome you here. We invite you here today. We love you today, Jesus. Thank you for meeting us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, before you're seated, why don't you turn around and greet someone. Welcome them to church today. Find someone new today. Well, good morning. Welcome to the assembly. Let's see. Uh, freezing rain, freezing drizzle, freezing fog. <laughs> it must be Sunday at the assembly. What is up with this? Somebody's not praying right. And maybe it's me. <laughs> is this not crazy? I've always heard, you know, Oklahoma weather, just stick around. It'll change in a little while, but I think we're in a rut. How many of you are ready to get out of the rut? Amen? Amen. I'm telling you. Well, I was just thinking, uh, six Sundays we've had so far, the first of the year, three of them have been just about like this, where it's just been, you know, slick, cold, wet, freezing rain, freezing fog. And uh, in a little bit, we're going to ha- take up an offering. You know, that's kind of what we do, our tithe and offering. But I just want to challenge you, in case you have maybe missed some of those Sundays, I think this Sunday would be a great opportunity to just go ahead and double up. How many of you agree with me? Huh? Think so? I think we could just double up today. Because there's been a few Sundays, I just got to be honest, it's been a little weak on the offering side. Now, I know you all feel my pain, but as the business administrator guy, I'm kind of watching that stuff. And so I just want to encourage you. We need a little help today. And it'd be great if we kind of catch up this Sunday. And uh, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be nice. It would be nice. It'd be really nice. Make me sleep better at night and stuff like that. Now, welcome to the assembly. I want to encourage each and every one of you, if this is your first time, uh, to be with us. Uh, there is a card in front of the seat in front of you. I want to ask you, if you would, please fill that out and uh, drop that in the offering in just a little bit. You don't have to double up if you're a guest today. All you got to do is drop this in. And it'll give us an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and get to follow up and share some of the ministries and things that are going on here at the assembly. We just want to encourage you, if you are a first-time guest, please do that and help us out. Also, I want to make a special announcement. On March 2nd, it will be our church's annual business meeting. And there's a number of things on the agenda, a number of those items. And uh, one of those items is a very special uh, agenda item that I want to make an announcement today. And... It is so important that I want to be sure and say the same thing in both services that I went ahead and written a script so that I would be sure and say the exact same thing in each service. So here we go. Bear with me as I read this announcement. After more than a year of research and revisions, the church board of the assembly at Broken Arrow is pleased to present a proposal for the adoption of our own constitution and bylaws at our annual business meeting on March 2nd. Our church currently operates under the standard church constitution and bylaws offered by the Oklahoma District of the Assemblies of God. With the growth of our church and its ministries, it has become apparent that the Assembly at Broken Arrow needs to adopt a constitution and bylaws that reflects our large and multifaceted ministry. With the encouragement of our district superintendent of the Oklahoma District and the district's legal counsel, we have submitted this proposed constitution and bylaws for their review, and they have approved the documents we now present to you. If you have access to the Internet, you may download a copy of your new Constitution and Bylaws at theassembly.org slash constitution. If you do not have access to the Internet, there are a limited number of paper copies available at each information center. We encourage you to review this document. We would love to answer any questions you may have. And you may contact me, Pastor Devin, at the church office to schedule time to talk in person or by phone. So once again, I just want to encourage you to please make opportunity to review this document. Uh, you can, uh, once again, go to the Internet and download this in PDF form. There are a few limited copies that we have here today. If you do not have access to the Internet, you can pick those up at the Information Center. I want to encourage you to read that. And if you have any questions about the Constitution and bylaws, feel free to contact the church office and ask for me. And we can uh, schedule time to answer those by phone. Or if you feel you need to meet in person, I'll be happy to do that as well. Ushers, if you would, please join me this morning. And let's continue to worship the Lord in our giving. 
and honor him. Aren't you glad for God's faithfulness? Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, we're so thankful, Lord, that once again we can stand here and we can worship you and we can honor you. God, we can lift up our voice and we can sing praise and glory and honor to your name. And Lord, as we pause in this part of the worship service to receive our tithes and offering, God, let us each one reflect upon your faithfulness to us. God, we are so thankful, Lord, for your blessings upon us, how you make provision for us and how you give us the opportunity to work and and earn a living. And God, we just honor you and thank you for that. And God, I just ask that you bless these resources as they are given today. Help this church be good stewards of those resources as we continue to minister to this church community and to the community here in Broken Arrow in South Tulsa and also to the, the ministries that we are involved with around the world. God, let us continue to reach hearts and lives and change people for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aren't you thankful for our musicians and the great job that they do? Let's give them a hand this morning. If you haven't figured out yet, Pastor Ron and Kelly are out uh, this week. And uh, they are serving and ministering in Uganda, East Africa. You guys know one of our missions initiatives in 2013 and 2014 has been to have uh, that area, that 14 acres in Jinja, Uganda, that we've had several missions trips to. And Pastor Ron had the opportunity to go with Kelly. And they are over there this week doing a pastor's training. They have the pastors from that region that are all there gathered together And we're having an opportunity, because of your GL giving, for us to have an impact all through Uganda, as Pastor Ron shares with these pastors who then go out from there and they share with their congregations. So we're excited about what God's doing there. Pastor Ron and Kelly have had a whirlwind trip. Last week they left, uh, and they were in L.A. on Thursday. He spoke at the L.A. Dream Center on Thursday night, and then they packed uh, and headed for uh, Uganda, and they're there today. And he will be back with us next week. We're looking forward to uh, having him return. So make sure you add him to your prayer list. If you didn't know he was on this trip already, just uh, pray for him. Pray for the traveling mercies and pray that God will give him the right words to say and the connections that need to be made to make a maximum impact there in that country. Some of you also have been asking me about Garrison, our 17-year-old. Many of you uh, probably know him. Some of you don't, but he's often on the worship team. He's been in a brace the last couple of months. Uh, He tore his ACL playing basketball, and he just had surgery this week, and he came out of surgery fine. Many of you were asking how he was doing, and just wanted to give you that update. He came out of surgery fine. He was on some heavy narcotics. He was under general anesthesia. He had a, a leg block and other narcotics, and it was amazing how nice and docile and silly he was when he was on the medicine. You know, teenagers, you know, they go from zigzags on that. But, but uh, it's been a, a good experience for him. He's on his recovery now. He's not able to make it today. But uh, Garrison, if you're watching online, that was just for you. All your friends will give you a good time for, uh, for me sharing that. Um, but we are excited to have the opportunity today to share about a topic. Uh, Pastor Ron had even talked to me about what he wanted me to share. And he wanted me to talk about temptation, overcoming temptation. And so here in a moment, I'm going to start with the message, but I want to just continue in the attitude of prayer that we started the service in. We've had opportunity to worship God in those opening moments. We sung some powerful songs about the truths of God. Uh, We've had opportunity to give a portion of who we are and our tithes and offerings, and and that's going to be multiplied, and and, and that's an honor and a worship uh, aspect that we do when we do that. And now we're about to hear the Word of God. And I know there is a, a diversity in this room of life experience right now. And some people in this room really need to hear this today. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, that the Holy Spirit is going to allow just a supernatural shift like we've been talking about in some very important areas in our life when it comes to the temptations that we face. So will you join me in prayer? And then we're going to go right into the message. Lord, I thank you today that we've been able to honor you in our worship I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that you're guiding the service. Thank you for the prayers that were offered for those that needed healing, needed guidance earlier, God. You were in the midst of those prayers, and I thank you that you're going forward with a solution in each of those, God. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we had to give. I just pray you continue to provide for our needs, God. I thank you that you're a loving God and a true God. Now, Lord, as we focus on your word, as we focus on some stories from Scripture, 
I just pray that your Holy Spirit will come over this place in these next few moments that we have together. And for those of us who need to hear this today, God, I thank you that it's going to go right into our spirit, that our ears will be open, that our hearts will understand and will respond to your promise to help us to overcome temptations that we face. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. It didn't start out this way. He'd been drifting for a while. He was the king of the country. It was a military power, the world's power, the wealthiest country in the world. He shouldn't feel this way, but he was in a rut. He was bored. The early days, as a young man, he had been a warrior. He had been a hero of the nation because of his heroic battles that he had been involved in. But today, he didn't feel the energy that he fed off of from that experience. He had had attempts taken on his life. He had had his predecessor king turn on him and try to kill him. He had gone through event after event that was turmoil, that was causing him to really have a difficult time going to the place that God had ordained him to be, the king of the country. But he had been patient he had been faithful. He didn't, allow, he didn't allow pride to overcome him. He didn't allow the opportunity to seize power to come too soon. He was patient and God had honored him. He was a warrior king. He was a military tactician. He knew how to lead his country. He knew when to attack and how to attack. And he expanded the borders of his country. And he went from one enemy after another. And he wiped out all the enemies that had been a threat to his nation's survival. And now they were the world power. They controlled the trade routes. They controlled everything that was going on in the countries around them because they had beaten them into submission because of his military leadership. But he was bored. It was the spring of the year, and it was a typical time of the year when he would have had a list of military campaigns that he wanted to go out on and accomplish, but there was no other world power that was really working against him at this point, and he was bored with the idea of going out on the one campaign that was really on the docket. There was a country on the east side of the river who they weren't able to completely finish in the last campaign that they had been involved in. It was basically a, a mop-up operation. All they had to do was send some troops over there. There was no other country supporting this one country that was left. And this king knew that victory was in hand. He decided not to go. It was very atypical for him, but he sent one of his military commanders to represent him. And he was just going to show up when it came time for the siege to really take place. He was just going to be a figurehead. He was wealthy beyond measure. He could buy and have anything that he wanted. He could spend his day any way that he wanted. And he was taking full advantage of that as the king. On this particular day, he had had a leisurely morning. He had had his lunch. He went into the afternoon, decided to take a nap. It was the, the life of luxury. He had woken from his nap, and he decided to take a walk on the top of the palace wall, on, on, the, on the roof of the, of the palace. And he walked and he looked over the panoramic view of that city, that capital city that had expanded beyond what it had ever been because of his leadership. But something was missing in his heart. As he looked out over the city, as he looked down the elevation to the houses that kind of came up against the palace walls, he noticed someone. And as he looked down, he could make out a figure in their backyard. And it looked like it was a woman who was taking a bath in her backyard. It wasn't atypical for a woman to be bathing in that area. There would have been walls and buildings and things that her neighbors wouldn't have seen her. But from his elevated position, this king could see down into the houses and in the yards of the people. And she had caught his eye. He turned to one of his messengers and he asked her, he asked the messenger, who is this? Go find out for me who this woman is. 
And suddenly, as he was waiting for that messenger to come back with a report, some of that energy that he was missing, it seemed to be coming back. Some of the emotion that he had when he was leading those military campaigns seemed to be coming back. He was excited about the prospect of finding out who this woman was. It didn't take long for the messenger to return. The people around the palace were known. And that messenger came back. And that messenger conveyed to David she was a married woman. She was the wife of one of his faithful soldiers that had headed out on that military campaign. And this king, who had been patient to not seize power too early, to not be prideful and allow the pride to go to his head when he was a military warrior that everyone knew and loved, this king who had been loyal to a king who had been disloyal to him, found himself in a vulnerable state. You know, a story like that is all too real in the culture and the day that we live in. King David, the second king of Israel, found himself with a temptation that affected the rest of his campaign and the rest of his reign as king of Israel. You and I know all about temptations. We don't like to talk about them very much. We, uh, we, usually we go subterranean with our temptations, whether it be some temptation like David's or something else. We, we don't want to tell people what's going on. We, we try to deal with it on our own. We, we try to manage and fight and resist that temptation. And sometimes we're able to do that, and sometimes we fail. You know, if we do talk about temptation, we like to, we like to talk about the temptations with food, like, like that dessert sure is tempting, or don't tempt me with a second piece of chocolate pie. We're, we're real vague and, and, and very minor when we come to the words and the usage of temptation when we talk about the temptations we face. But it doesn't matter today whether you've been a Christ follower your entire life or you're in here today and you're not sure what you even believe about Christ. You understand what a temptation is because temptation is common to all of us. And so today in the moments that we have, I want to look at A couple of passages of Scripture. I want to look at at what God's Word has to say about overcoming temptation. And then I have three simple steps that I think would help any of us in whatever temptation or whatever struggle that we're having in our life. As you look at the Scriptures, you don't have to look very far to realize that temptations have been around. Just think about the story in Genesis of Adam and Eve, of, of that first temptation in the garden. You guys know that that God created a garden, everything was perfect, and he created a tree of knowledge of good and evil. He placed in the center of the garden, and his only command to Adam and Eve was that they needed to stay away from that tree and not eat of its fruit. Well, everything was going well, and Adam and Eve were living in that paradise that God created, and then the serpent came and started talking to Eve. You guys know this story. Whether you've been in church very long or not, that story of Adam and Eve is universal. The reality is that in the garden, even in the perfectness that God created, God created us with a free will. And Adam and Eve had a choice if they were going to obey the commands that God had given them or they were going to go the other way. And after Eve had had some discussion with the serpent in the garden who was Satan, she started looking at that tree in a whole new way. Suddenly, that tree was a lot more appealing than it had been. The the fruit started looking like something that she really would want to eat. But even the bigger thing is the desire that she had to be like God, to have that wisdom that that serpent promised would come if she would eat of that tree, really did her in. There's a book that 
I used as part of the message today. I, I, I like to give you resources as you go from here. I'm going to give you some chapters in the Bible to look at as we go from here. But there's a book by John Ortberg that's called The Me I Want to Be. And he talks a lot about this issue of temptation and about this free will that we have. One of the quotes that he has, I think, is, is a pretty profound quote when we think about temptation and we think about the freedom that we have and the way that we really want to live. And this is what he says. You can see it on the screen. Real freedom is not the external freedom to gratify every appetite. It's the internal freedom not to be enslaved by our appetites. Maybe you're in a place today, even as I started praying about temptation, something was coming to your mind that you've been struggling with. My hope is, as we talk about this in these next few moments, that you're going to find some steps and you're going to feel the Holy Spirit working inside you to shift you to a place where you can respond to that temptation the way that God would want you to. Temptations press us to meet a legitimate need or a desire in an inappropriate and sinful way. Think about that for a minute. A temptation presses you and me to meet a legitimate need or a desire in an inappropriate and sinful way. It's an enticement to take our desires beyond the limits that God has for them. Temptations wouldn't be very difficult to stand up against if they were things we didn't want to do or we didn't like. But within every temptation, there is a sense that there's something good that we're going to gain by being involved in that temptation. That we're going to accomplish a hope or a dream or a desire. That there may be a shortcut, some way that we're going to be able to get there faster if we're willing to maybe do this one thing that will get us there. Well, I have two verses today that I really want us to soak in as we're looking at this issue. And as we do that, we need to recognize that temptations always cost more than they appear. In 1 Corinthians, it's one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. Paul had been traveling and doing missionary work and he had established churches all over the Mediterranean coast there. But in Corinth, in that southern area of Greece, there was a commercial center of a city there. And Paul was able to go into that culture. It was a very hedonistic culture, immoral culture. They had false gods they were worshiping, all kinds of ritualistic things that were going on that were immoral and wrong. And Paul had created uh, an area there where there was a community of believers. And Paul went on further in his journeys, but he was getting word back that there were some issues that were happening in the church at Corinth. And so often you hear us when we're talking about that church, talking about the misuse of the gifts of the Spirit and, and all the things that were going on, but there was a lot more than that going on in that church. The culture that they had lived in hadn't fully been separated from the church that they were creating. And there was immorality and there were issues going back and forth in the church that had to be dealt with. And Paul was trying to walk them through and mature them through what it meant to be a Christ follower. So in chapter 10, Paul is going through a list of things that uh, he's known that are going on in the church, trying to bring correction. But then he goes to chapter 10. And in chapter 10, he starts recounting what's been going on uh, and, and what the history of the Israelite people were when they left Egypt and they were traveling those 40 years in the, in the wilderness with Moses. And how often they were tripped up by idolatry and by making poor decisions, being tempted to try to take shortcuts and complain and grumble. And we find in the midst of that chapter these verses from Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful he will, not let, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, the part of this verse that I hope you'll walk away with, if you don't remember anything else I say today, is that last sentence in verse 13. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I'd like us to personalize that today. We should be able to say, when I'm tempted, God will show me 
a way out. Will you say that with me today? When I'm tempted, God will show a way out. Let's say it again. When I'm tempted, God will show me a way out. Temptations are across the board, whether you're a believer or not. And the promise of God is that he's never going to allow us to get into a situation where the temptation is too overwhelming that we can't have a way out. That's a promise of God this morning. The fact that a temptation comes doesn't mean that you sin. It means you're human. Temptations come and go. It's the response to those temptations that determine whether we cross that line and cross over into a sinful action. And these two verses let us know that we're not alone, that we're all in the same boat. The, the reality is that all of us have common temptations, but not all of us have the same temptations be as strong as others. God has wired your personality a certain way, and, and life experience has taken you a certain direction, and life situations and circumstances have created a uniqueness to your situation that may not be the same as the person that's sitting next to you. But the promise of God is, even though we're all tempted and we may be tempted in different ways, that he's going to provide a way out if we look to him. Here's some interesting things that I've learned about temptation. Some of the easiest temptations to resist are maybe your temptations because they're not wired into me and I'm not struggling with what you may be struggling And some of the easiest temptations for you to resist may be the temptations that I'm wired to really be susceptible to. And that's why it's critical when we're facing temptations that we're in a community of believers where we can help each other when we face a temptation in a season. John Ortberg in his book talks about these temptations that come and they're usually attached to signature sins There are just some sins in my life, whether I like it or not, that I'm more susceptible to fall into than others. There's nothing different about you either when it comes to that. You're going to have certain sins, certain traits that you're going to have that are going to make you more susceptible. And that makes us even more concerned about figuring out how to overcome when those moments come. And here's another reality that I think is true about these temptations. There's always more at stake than we realize. We think we can deal with temptation on our own and it's only going to affect us, that we're the only ones that have to live with the results of of what that temptation may be. But if you've lived any length of time, you know that temptation can affect all the areas of our life, from our family to our future to the finances for your family. And ultimately to our faith. It's interesting as I think about that faith relationship with temptation. That that first temptation for Adam and Eve was a temptation to lose confidence in God. Satan had seeded an idea that God was holding out on Adam and Eve. That there was some secret knowledge. That there was some ability that they would gain if they would eat from that forbidden tree. And And he was trying to convince them to slice between them and their relationship with God to say, do you really trust God? Or do you want to try to make this happen on your own? You know, we get in this mindset that we think if God doesn't respond and we have this desire or this urge or or this thought for our life that's not happening soon enough, we get into this mindset that if I don't, then it won't. If I don't take this under control by myself, if I'm not willing to do whatever it takes to get there, then I won't ever get where I want to go. And then we start saying, if I don't, he won't. God's not going to come through. There's always more at stake when you're dealing with a temptation. And the biggest thing that's at stake is your confidence and your trust in God. There's always more at stake. started today retelling the story of King David and his temptation with Bathsheba. 
And I'd like to just lift a few verses from the, those passages as we look at, at three things that I think will help us overcome temptation today. And the story is spread over numerous chapters in Second Samuel. But if you have your Bible, I encourage you over this next week to read in front of this chapter that we're going to be looking at. Read behind the chapter and, and, and put this whole story together. My, my telling of the story at the beginning uh, took all of the, the chapters and kind of merged it into a theme and a storyline. But I want to lift out and, and, and just put you in, in the center of the story in Second Samuel chapter 11. And we're going to read the first four verses there. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of his bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. David, who had been such a model of someone who had taken the right path, found himself in a vulnerable position, and he fell to temptation. So I think about that story, and I think about the passage in 1 Corinthians, those two verses that we looked at in chapter 10. I have three thoughts as I was putting this all together, working on this message that seemed to surface as I was just contemplating temptation and and how to best overcome that. And, and these are simple things. These are things that you hear all the time. But maybe today there's something that's going to click in your mind. I believe the Holy Spirit's at work. And I believe some of you that have been dealing with the temptation that you've been trying to resist for weeks and months. God's going to offer you a way out today. You just have to be open to hear what he's speaking to you through this message. The first thing that I would say when you're struggling with the temptation is that you don't need to struggle alone. In the story of David, it's pretty clear he sent off his military commanders. There's no mention of any real advisors that were with him there in the palace. He had some messengers and some servants that were really there at his beck and call, but it's clear that David was in a lonely place when he made that decision to follow through with the temptation that presented itself. A few years ago, Garrison, our, my son, and I were able to go on a short-term mission trip to Tanzania. We were ministering in some churches on the weekend, and then after that weekend, we had an opportunity to go on a safari in the Serengeti. We had an opportunity to go with a guide, and we were in a land cruiser, and we were out driving. We were seeing elephants and lions and Cape buffalo and just all kinds of zebras, things like that, all kinds of gazelles. And we got to a certain place on, on the route. We were just driving out, and there was real no roads or anything. We were just making a trail as we went. And the guide, who was a national there, was, was just overcome by, by what he was seeing in the distance. And so we stopped, and we watched for 10, 12, 15 minutes and kept moving around just to see what was going to happen. But there was a Cape buffalo who had separated from his herd, and he had walked over right in front of a lion and a lioness, and he was standing there, and it looked like he was taunting the lion and the lioness. Let's take a look at the picture here. This was the camera I had back in the day when we did this. But you can see this Cape buffalo. They normally travel in herds, and they're very protective in their herds, and they do a good job of protecting themselves from an enemy. Obviously, in this culture, this ecosystem where we were, the lion was the king of the jungle. The lion was the king of the Serengeti. And this Cape buffalo had separated. If we could have had a wider shot you would have seen several hundred yards away that the other part of the herd had moved on. They were just specks in the distance. But this Cape buffalo had decided to separate and went right in the face of a lion and a lioness. And we're convinced that guide was looking at it. He was convinced that that, that, that Cape buffalo would have been dead if either of those two had been hungry at all. As it was, as we watched for over 10 or 12 minutes, all the lion did was yawn and look at him. But here's the reality. 
Satan in the New Testament was even described this way as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you and I are struggling with temptation and we are trying to deal with it on our own, we might as well be this cape buffalo who's walking up to that lion and taunting him, asking him to come after us. Don't struggle alone if you're dealing with temptation. That's why this church tries very hard to offer community groups, living free, mentoring. We don't want you to go on this journey and have something happen subterranean and then us hear that, that you, you succumb to it and then have to help put it back together. We're happy to do that, but we'd rather be on the front side. We'd all rather be on the front side of that because all of us are susceptible to succumbing to temptation. Don't struggle alone. Second thing, as I was thinking about these temptations that are common to all of us, is that we have to ask God for help. He knows better than we know ourselves what it will take to get us through that season. We have to monitor our soul satisfaction and those signature sins that seem to creep up and make sure we're not leaving any room for those things to happen. But ultimately, God is able to help if we'll call out to Him. Early in our marriage, Stephanie and I rented an old farmhouse that was across the street from our church in Alabama. Part of the house was over 100 years old and it had some really old wood floors. And the floors didn't really need to be refinished, but they were in need of a good waxing and polish. And... I'm not much of a do-it-yourselfer 20 years removed from that story, but back then I was even less of a do-it-yourselfer. But I talked to my father-in-law. My father-in-law said, no problem. All you got to do is go over to the local equivalent of the RSC. There's tools. They have all kinds of tools there. You need to ask for an 18-inch buffer. You need to buy some wax, and you can get it knocked out. You'll be able to, you'll be able to wax the whole house. You'll be, it'll be looking good. So went over to the, to the local tool shop. The guy had an 18-inch buffer. At least I knew what to ask for. And so I asked for some buffer pads, and I asked for the buffer. And we took it home. And and before I left, the the guy kind of looked at me like it was an obvious answer to the question. He's like, "Uh, you know how to use that, right? And, uh, of course, wanting to be the guy that I was, I said, absolutely, no problem. We'll just load it in the car. So we got it home. I got the wax, and I hand-waxed the floor, waited for it to harden up so I could put the buffer over it. I kind of knew the order of that, but there were no written instructions exactly how to use the buffer. So I uh, put a pad on the buffer, got ready. I had Stephanie plug it in the wall, and the thing was in an on position when we went to plug it in the wall, and I was loosely holding the top of the handle. You guys are way ahead of me on this story. It's amazing. First service was too. All right. So it comes on, immediately it starts spinning a lot faster than I was ready for, and it slams into my side and, and kind of knocks me to the side, and then it starts skirting along the wall, just, just spinning, just out of control everywhere, until Stephanie unplugged it from the wall. She saved me on that. So, so I regroup, and I think, okay, okay, I need to hold it tighter when we turn it on. We're going to get this thing figured out. So, so I, uh, I, I get a hold to it. And I'm determined that I'm going to manhandle this thing and make sure that it doesn't get away from me. So, so I tell Stephanie I'm ready, <laughs> and she plugs it back in the wall. And amazingly, it starts spinning, and, and, and it's actually doing its, its work, but it's like I'm dragging it all over the room. And it's a small bedroom I started in. I wanted to start small, make sure I knew what I was doing. And, and so I'm in there, and I'm just strong-arming the thing. It's like I'm on top of it just carrying it around. But it's spinning, and it's just, it's just a lot of work. Well, about the time I was finishing the first room, my father-in-law, who had been running an errand, comes back, and he, he looks in there at me, and he's got a funny look on his face, like, what in the world are you doing? And, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm buffing this floor. Your daughter's going to love this. We're going to have the house. And, and he looks at me, and he, he walks over and turns it off, and there's a little lever on the handle, and he just flips the lever. And all of a sudden, the leverage, the handle, everything became a lot easier to use. I had no idea what I was doing with that buffer until he showed me that. When you and I are facing a temptation, we have to be willing to ask for help. Specifically, we need to ask God for help. 
You can struggle on your own. You can try to plug that thing in and figure it out. You're going to be able to resist. If you're not a believer, you're going to be able to resist. You're not going to fall to every temptation. But you're not going to be able to overcome every temptation the way that you can be promised if you look to God. You have to be willing to ask God for help. Finally, the the last thing I would say is don't face it alone. Don't ask God. Don't forget to ask God for help. The third thing I would say is shift your focus. Now, one of the things I would say, I want to go back to the second one a little bit and just apply that to King David a little bit. The asking God for help. It's amazing to me when I read the life of King David and how many good things he did and how many good decisions he made. And one of the things that King David was really good at almost every time was turning to God when he was in a situation like this. Whether it be somebody willing or wanting to take his life or a frustration or an enemy that was rising up against him, you and I know David's story all too well because the Psalms are full of songs and prose and poetry that he wrote when he was going through things, calling out to God. But it's interesting in this passage in Samuel and the story that we're looking at with David and Bathsheba, there's no mention of him pausing and taking time to really go back to God and process this. And it was to his detriment and to his downfall in that area of his life. Don't be afraid to ask for help. God is willing and able to help you overcome temptation. The third thing there is shifting your focus. When a temptation starts to come to your mind and you start getting fixated on that, it's as if blinders start coming over you and and you don't see the periphery and you don't see the long-term effect of the decision that you're making and and you're focused on that one thing and and you may be resisting, but you're focused in resisting and you're not looking at the big picture. You have to focus on the way out, as that passage in Corinthians says. God promises us that he won't put more on us than we're able to handle in temptation and he promises us that when we're tempted there's a way out we have to learn to shift from the problem or the temptation to the solution that God is providing if we haven't done it alone and we've asked God for help if we're persistent in asking God for help the way out will appear and you'll be able to endure the temptation that's coming culture that we live in today is not all that different than that culture in Corinth with immorality with people doing whatever makes them feel good we hear stories all the time that people are are wanting if it makes me feel good it's good if if God would want me to be happy God God wants me to be successful in business if if business has to have under-the-table deals and things that are unethical, then that's the way I've got to do it because God would want me to be successful. And we settle in our minds that there's a way to have a shortcut and there's ways to, to just do what we want and somehow God's going to bless it. But the reality is that there are consequences to these temptations that are there. And God always has a better way. And the temptations that you face always have more at stake. Ultimately, it goes back to your trust in God. Where do you find yourself today? Are you monitoring your soul satisfaction? Do you know what your signature sins are? Is there a temptation right now that is latched on to you that it's pushing you to go beyond a legitimate way to meet a need or a desire that you have? Is it pushing you beyond God's parameter that He has there and you're struggling? It's a very personal message, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone at all today as we go to the end of this message. But I want you to examine your own heart where you are. If God's been working in your heart, And there's been some temptation that's kind of surfaced as we've been talking. I want to give you an opportunity to respond because I think a a prayer at the end of the service, just in your seat there, is going to do a powerful thing to start unlocking how God is going to show you the way out.
God's promise is if a temptation comes, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment as I ask for people to respond? If God's stirring in your heart and the Holy Spirit has is, is, is got you and, and, and you just sense that, that this message is talking to you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. This subject is not by mistake, and I want to give you an opportunity. If there's something in your life that, that the Holy Spirit just kind of pressed on you as, as I've been talking, and you really would like prayer to overcome that temptation in a way that we described without falling to it, would you be bold enough with these heads bowed just to raise your hand and let me see your hand? You can just raise it and put it down. Would you do that now? There's hands in different places that have been raised, and I know that God is, is working in each of those situations. Church family, will you join me as we pray? There's seasons in all of our lives where temptations are more uh, prevalent and difficult and there are people in our church body a a building this size there are people in all stages of temptation right now and I know if if you have fallen in a temptation maybe you're on that side of it God is able to bring his grace and mercy to that that same devil that's a deceiver and trying to convince you that this shortcut's the way to take turns into an accuser as soon as you make that mistake and God is not an accusing God he's a God of forgiveness if you'll go to him and you can start fresh today. So I want to pray for, for all those areas. If you've got an area or if you've, you've succumbed to a temptation and it's just not under the blood yet, let's, let's pray with our church family as we pray. Lord, I thank you that you have men like David in the Bible and you have these examples in the Bible so that we can learn from them, God, both in the good things that they did and in the things that they struggled with, God. I thank you for your promise through Paul that when we have a temptation that comes our way, that you'll lift a way out. That if we look to you, if we live in community and we respond and ask for your help, that you'll freely give us a way to endure through temptation so that we can be victorious. And Lord, you've seen the hands that have been raised. You've seen some that are, that are dealing with, with both sides of this, God. And I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you as they call out. I thank you forgiveness is there if they've crossed a line anywhere, God. But Lord, I also thank you that you're going to provide a way of escape if they're just struggling to stay pure, to stay on the path that you have for them. God, I thank you that that promise is real for all of us, for all seasons of our life. Lord, you're so faithful to us. We thank you for that promise today that we can overcome through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate you being tentative today. We've got a great week ahead. Don't forget all the activities that are coming up. Go in the strength of the Lord, knowing that he's with you, and he'll provide a way out that you can endure. Have a great week, everybody.